Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. to this week's episode of Prestige, a podcast about films made for film lovers by film lovers. We look at a different film each week and we look at it in depth and we think about some of the themes and ideas that that film throws up. And we end the episode with our suggestions for further reading, further watching, if you will. However, we always begin our episodes with what else we've been watching for Boston couple of weeks since we last recorded so rob what have you been enjoying well we are trying as i discussed previously to try and clear off some of the decks of the half to watch things we've got so finish off movies finish on tv series and we have finished off this week the american i'd say political drama but let's just be call it what it is which is a political soap we finished off scandal which is a shonda rhymes production about a fixer in dc in america it is fun and is very i don't know what the word for it is soapy is probably what i'd say in that everybody's killed somebody and this person turned out to be a spy and that person works for the other side it's very that um it's very like high energy high stakes but kind of goofy with it um and it's run for seven seasons and we finished off the last five in the last week um, despite having not watched it for, probably for a year, because we kind of got to a point where we just kind of got a little burnt out and everything happened and we just didn't carry on. So we picked that up and finished it off. And it's it's good. Yeah, it's a good, fun thriller of a show. You know, it's not, I think, very deep and serious. It is much, it is fu- as funny as it is tragic in many ways. And that's why I think I'd call it a soap more than anything else, um, because it just feels that kind of vibe. Um, but it's well done, well written, um, and it's notable for having um, a black lead actress in the main role, and for want of a better word, aggressively diverse. The film, the show, even features people of all races in all positions, and whilst race is a factor in the show, it is never a situation where you think that person couldn't do that, or that person couldn't do that. It is very actively diverse, and I think that's something to be celebrated. Well, I've been watching a few things this week which have pleasantly surprised me, um, which is good after um, a couple of less than stellar films. Um, One is I revisited Ant-Man and really liked it again. I mean, I really liked it originally, but then second time round I thought, well, um, I was a bit... I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, but it was it was as impressive as it was first time around. And I saw a review afterwards which nailed it. It said there was something the Ant Man was seemed seemed much to have much smaller stakes than other superhero films, and to be infinitely better for it. So the stakes in other superhero films might be, oh my god, the universe is going to end. And the stakes in Ant-Man is Paul Rudd is not going to get to see his daughter again. And it just felt more real because of that. And I I really like that. So I enjoyed that on a second watching as much as I did the first time. And a, a couple of other films I watched this week, um, the both the original and the sequel 
and Denzel Washington film The Equalizer. And I kind of avoided this because I thought it's going to be a bit like Taken. It's going to be a bit sort of, um, well, someone has a set of special skills and it's just going to be fairly predictable and paid by numbers. So I thought, okay, Denzel Washington is great, but that's the only difference. But there's something about these films that are really well well written, they're thoughtful, um, and you have Denzel Washington thinking about what it means to commit violence and what it means to have death as a part of your life. And one of the main strands, and there's no spoiler in this, it's, it, it's evident throughout is that his wife died and he's trying to deal with the grief of that at the same time as reacting in some other ways to other things that, that, that are going on. So yeah, I, I really recommend The Equalizer. And the sequel as well is very good. Excellent. I think I've seen the first of those, but mostly I haven't seen the sequel. Um, but I will stick them on my ever-growing list of films that I'll probably watch at some point. Sequel is very good. Sequel has um, Pedro Pascal in it, who was very good um, as a lead in Narcos. Yes, I remember you strolling the virtues of that one. Yes, yeah, he, he was very good in that. As Sam mentioned, we are doing a movie a week currently, and we are currently in our heist season. And so we are moving on from last week's Rafiki to the 1960 movie Ocean's Eleven. your eye on Danny Ocean. He's the quiet guy in the middle of it all. He's the guy with the big idea. He's calling a summit meeting of his own, and it's going to be a summit to top them all. Now, all he needs are 11 men, like, say, 11 ex-paratroopers from his old outfit. And you'd be amazed where you can find an ex-paratrooper these days. You look in a bar, and there's Harmon playing alcoholic piano. Or you turn up DSM winner Josh in a fleet of trash trucks. Jimmy Foster is sure to be wherever there's the most of anything. A guy like Bergdorf's been playing some very long odds. And Mushy's sticking close to the money. But when Danny called, they came. And what they heard was a plan of independent initiative and individual enterprise to stir the spirit of every swinging citizen. How'd it come off? Like a charm. Same here, fantastic. Oh, Danny, what a prize you are. The only husband in the world who'd proposition his own wife. Well, I married you once and it didn't work out too well, so what's wrong with a little hey-hey? Get her out of here. Hey, give me a little kiss. Sound idea, it's constructive. You wait right there and I'll be there in a minute. I'll wait for you. Hello, Sam. How are you? Oh, same as always. I move, I breathe, I seem to feel the thrill of life along the keel. You sound like a ferry boat. (laughs) I'm not a ferry boat. I'm a very manly sloop. Wherever I go, people stare at me in dumb admiration. What happens when they speak? 
What's so funny? I knew this color would come in handy one day. <laughs> hey, Josh. Yeah. How do you get the stuff off? Well, what I usually. So this is the original Ocean's Eleven, not the remake from the 2000s, um, but it follows a very similar sort of story. Uh, in this one, we have a group of ex-paratroopers who come together to perform a robbery on four, New York, four Las Vegas casinos at the stroke of midnight. It is as much a fest of seeing people talk to each other as the remakes were, but it is obviously starring the Rat Pack and all the actors from that era. Um, it is certainly a slower paced film than the remake and it's a very different vibe and in many ways it is a film that's been eclipsed by its remake um, it's not a one that a lot of people talk about Sam how did you find it I know you have extolled the virtues of the remake many times I have so you'd have thought that I'd be prepared to like this and also I have liked the music of the Pack for a long time um, but I just thought this film was a bit rubbish, really. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to be more academic and cerebral about it, and we'll we'll go into some discussion of themes later on. But my initial reaction is I just didn't like it much. And that doesn't... I mean, since the days of picking things like The Lone Ranger to annoy you, that doesn't happen often on this podcast. Um, It... It is usually a film that I would have some certainly constructive things to say about. Um, I just couldn't get on board with this film. It's, it just, I'm not sure what the story was. was sort of a bit of a nothing ending to the film. And then, so what, I mean, my fundamental problem with this film is that from the beginning, the, the beginning and the middle, you seem to be presented with this gang as elite hotshots and they're paratroopers and they spent time there. And okay, it was 15 years ago, but they've still got it. It's kind of, and I'm talking about the equaliser this week, it's the same sort of thing you have in that. You have sort of ex military men um, and Pedro Pascal and Denzel Washington now. But so so throughout the the first part of Ocean's Eleven, you have this um, this group of hotshots, and then the the last act of the film is just them being incompetent. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I struggled to see those, those two bits didn't seem to fit together at all. I mean, it, so this crack team at the beginning, and then by the end, they're just rubbish. It becomes clear that um, the Jimmy Foster's father-in-law is just outwitting them at every turn because, and he's he's not particularly intelligent, but he's just got street smarts and he knows what he's doing and even he is running rings around them. And I just thought it was just a bit disappointing because I wanted, it's something we talked about with the film last week, but one of the, one of the enjoyable things about a heist film is, 
an appreciation of the skill of what's going on, the talent on display, even if you don't like the characters themselves. And the protagonist last week was particularly horrible, but you kind of feel admiration for what's going on. And there was no, I don't, didn't feel there was any admiration here. I just, yeah, I just thought they were a bit pants. How about you? Fair enough, quite a damage. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm unsure on this film. Um, because when I first started watching it, I think the first third in which they kind of get in the gang together, I was very bored. Um, and I think part of that is because this film particularly trades on knowing who, who all the 11 are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'll hold my hand up and say, beyond once you get past sort of the core Rat Pack, I just don't know who they are. I, just, I haven't got that schooling and, and the, that cultural knowledge to know who all these people are. Um, in the same way, imagine in... 50, 60, now, look, look, 60 years time, you may watch the first Oceans and not get the recognition of seeing all the sort of bit parts pop up, you know, as the smaller criminals. Yeah. So it felt a bit like, I don't know why this is taking so long and I'm not sure who these people are and some of the jokes seem weird. That being said, once it got to Vegas, I really liked it. I really warmed up to it and I felt like it was, it is like it's very self-indulgent and the, the heist bit of it is very kind of incredibly low key and doesn't make a lot of sense. And, but I just very much enjoyed the vibe of the movie being in Vegas and the lights and the, the mise-en-scenes they put together. I just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's rap, it's the rap pack in Vegas. And I found that hard to dislike. And I enjoyed the roller going on. I enjoyed seeing Dean Martin performing. I enjoyed seeing, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. doing his thing. I enjoyed that bit. And all the way through the heist, I very much enjoyed that whole middle section. The last section, I'm kind of with you on that one. And I think we didn't talk about this last week with Rafiki because of the nature of the movie. But heist movies, I think, have gone through a change, which I'm sure we'll come to as we go forwards, in that we are in an era now, particularly with Ocean's Eleven at this point, where the criminals can't win mm. inherently in the culture of the time. You can't have the people robbing casinos and robbing people and winning because that is celebrating criminality. And the culture of the time did not have that. So whilst we look at oceans 11 and we, the modern one, and we think, well, you know, we were on the solid Danny ocean and we're on the solid people. And they kind of, whilst the sequel does change that, they get away with it. They win, they get the money, they get away and they have that lovely ending scene. This film because of the culture it was made into, means that they can't do that. They can't have these people rob these million pounds and win because they're the criminals. And so it does feel like this weird tacked on farcical ending. Um, and the uh, that weird like last look along the line of all the guys. And like it's I get that moment. It's that same kind of thing you have at the end of Ocean's Eleven Remake where they all line up. But I agree, it felt like a weird choice at the ending. But I suppose I can see, given the senses of the time and the culture of time wouldn't let them have everyone getting away with it. Why did it? So it's yeah. a, a bit of a curate egg of a movie for me. Um, but I will say that overall, I liked, enjoyed watching it. I really warmed to it. But the brunt of that is shouldered by the middle section in Vegas. Mm. But also, I like Vegas. I mean, I, I'm, I am a little biased to Vegas films because I like Vegas. It, it, mm, the thing, I can see what you're saying about warming to the Vegas but it just felt a bit for me didn't feel like it was taking place in Vegas even like you had like those outshows shots of the strip and then there were just inside shots of five seedy casinos that could have been anywhere 
I think the thing um, there is is that that in that time Vegas to us is a different thing to what Vegas is to then. Like, yeah. That this is old school Vegas. Like these days, yeah. you know, in, in the modern Vegas, they are ripping off these big mega casinos. But back then, they weren't there. It was these slightly seedy, slightly, you know, run, not run down, but much smaller institutions. It was less of a theme park. Yeah, I can see that. Something I did, um, let, let's talk about what I did like about this film. Come on, Sam, be positive. Um, something I did like is the way that they were cohesive, they were formed as a gang. And with the remake, it's sort of, well, Danny's got his mates and then he pulls in various people from other places because they can do a job and they're all very good at what they do. And that's good. But something I, I did like about this original is the, sort of the camaraderie of and the fact mm. that they were all in this troop together, all in this regiment together. Well, I think, that, as I said, it, this and the remake, the, the, as we've also got, the pleasure is seeing them together. The pleasure is seeing mm. these people interact. And the heist, in many ways, is just a structure to hang those things off. Yes. Um, and I'm, if we do get talking about the remake at some point on this show, I will talk most about how a lot of the heist is absolute crap and doesn't work. But no one cares because you're long for the right. Yeah. And, you know, the same here. It is about seeing these people, these people who are dear friends in real life, have fun with that. Yeah. It's... This this is not about the heist. This is the heist makes no sense. Like what you're just gonna walk into a room and steal some money, and then because you've there is I might be saying this because I've watched this episode about forty two times in the past week, but there was an episode of Octonauts where one of the crew members gets the hot chocolate machine's wires crossed with the mainframe of the computer, and like. It's that that's the the plot point that we're talking about here. It's like can can you rewire the building so that something trips something up? It makes it makes very little sense. But I I can see what you're saying. This is this is not about the heist. This is all about them together and the camaraderie of them together. And like when when Tony dies, oh spoiler alert, but when when Tony dies, it's fairly obvious that he will die. From from the very beginning, but when he dies, it's it's described as losing a man in combat. It's throughout. This is a war film, and this is about men being together. So it doesn't really matter about that. I agree. I think that's sometimes why. I mean, I kind of made it as a curious second. Maybe you didn't deal with it. Is that it does seem to be trying to do a lot of different things. The film does. And I think that's why I like the Vegas one the most is because that's where it feel, falls into that kind of, it falls into the groove of these people being funny and friendly together in Vegas. Like Vegas and Sinatra are, you know, peas in a the pod. They are two things that go fish and chips coming. And at the end, that feels a very different sort of film. And as you say, like these competent people feel incompetent. So mm. I, I think there is a mixing of styles in this movie um and i can hand on heart as much as i like this film i can see why the remake is more beloved um because it yeah. is a more cohesive movie um although i would say having seen this and them all hang out together i do enjoy the, 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 the sort of the more friendship element of this they do feel like friends and whereas there are some funny bits in the sequel and you say they kind of pull in ringers tell them out yeah. in in the remake and it isn't quite as Here's a cohesive unit of your friends who are coming together to do this thing. Um, yeah. But that's you know that, that that's 
that's a trope of the genre is the coming the, the hiring of the crew and in many ways the whole crew being friends before is the outlier in that mm. and it's more common to see films where they pull together the people who have to work together in that dynamic which can be combative and can be at each other's throats is what the film's often about here it's not and it was just a fun time for me yeah i is it and actually i did as much as you said the, the first first bit was a bit boring with them more coming together and it, it came to life when it got to Vegas, I did quite like bits of that first bit when um, Foster and Sinatra, oh, I've got Foster and Ocean, um, are just having fun. You have Peter Lawson and Frank Sinatra and they they fell out shortly after this film and they, well, they fell out over um, something political but it's, it's complicated. Anyway, by by the and I think they'd they'd cast him in a upcoming Rat Pack film, and by the time it was shot, he was replaced with someone else. He was replaced with Bing Crosby. So this is the last film that Peter Lawson was part of the gang. But you can tell that they really love each other. They love each other's company, and I just really liked with Frank Sinatra and Peter Lawson just having a bit of fun at the beginning when they'd. Like phone up a sea boss and 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 play prank calls on him, or they mm-hmm. they pretend they were going somewhere and then go somewhere else, and you just like they they enjoy each other's company there, and I just I just like that. And as much as not a lot happened in that first bit, something did happen because it was all about the it uh, showing to everyone the friendship between the two, the friendship that was there for the characters, but also for the actors. I think I agree. I think once again, the the opening bit just felt like a little too long. Um, but I think, as you say, it is. It's about the friendship, it's about the little vignettes of different friends doing things together that feel natural, and that's what you want from the this kind of movie. This kind of romp of a movie is that a feeling of true friendship. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of films try and get but never quite nail. Is that yeah. you can cast all these actors together, and you can cast people together, and go, well, now you're two friends, and it just doesn't, sometimes the chemistry there isn't there. And we often talk about chemistry in terms of romantic films. But I think you've also got to have that in terms of friendship. I think about like, the Marvel films. And you look at Tony, um, I said Tony Stark, Tony Stark um, and Rhodey, um, and they feel like real friends. There is an element there where they feel like friends. Um, and you've got that with Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans, because they are genuinely friends in real life, the two of them. They've been, a lot, been friends for a long time. And there's a sense that I get how that works because they're friends. And that same thing here where the people who are so easy in each other's company because they are genuine friends, it really imparts onto us, the audience, that feeling. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I have been, I started this episode being particularly down on this film, but yeah, thinking about there, there is, there's a lot to admire about this film. And also there is something poignant about the film. Like I said, this is, the last time they were together as mm, friends mm. before things got complicated. And yeah, I mean, we, well, you and I have groups of friends like this. And it's, yeah, there, there's something, there's something about groups of friends coming together. And you're right, you can't always get that chemistry on screen. And you kind of, in the remake, I suppose, you get it with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. I don't know if they are friends in real life, but they, and maybe it's just the fact they they acted well together. But 
not that is not necessarily all the case always the case within that group of actors and something to be said for the original Ocean's Eleven is that they all seem to be friends and they, they like each other and they get on with each other yeah I, I, I see what you're saying and there's an element of I suppose old friends here that there's that sense of lived in friendship and you can have people connect but there's a sense with these people that there's a history to people and as people get introduced to wives and that sort of stuff there's a feeling of these men are a unit formed through their experiences at war but they are now formed that they would follow this man into you know committing a robbery and kind of going down that path there is a real sense of true connection here um and i suppose yes the film doesn't hang together as an overall plot in many ways but i did enjoy all those moments i enjoyed seeing all the interaction in vegas i enjoyed seeing the little prank calls i enjoyed all the little moments to come together even though they couldn't tie up in a bow in terms of an overarching plot um, in many ways i feel i suppose that comes from the history of this this crew and this um sort of genre that these films are musicals really they come from a musical background because all of these performers are musicians and in those you have these non-sequitur musical scenes you have these people breaking out a song and so whereas the actual plot line isn't hugely important it looks at like high start even um or that kind of thing or white christmas these movies the plot is is paper thin but it hangs together because these musical scenes and mm. this in many ways is one of those but without the musical scenes yeah uh, it didn't have the same music numbers i mean you had dean martin doing a few here and there and the, the, the party scenes and there was a burlesque scene early on but there wasn't the musicals um, that you have elsewhere and that's i think sometimes highlighted the sort of the lack of plot that we'd expect from a heist film yeah i in many ways i would prefer there to be more music because when when Sunday Junior starts year eleven, you think, well, that's a bit of a gear change. It didn't feel like a mm. musical up until this point. But then, once you'd adjusted to the fact that it was going to be like that, I kind of wanted it to stay like that. Mm. And it kind of feels like it almost is, but isn't. And I mean, there's is glaring. There's no there's no Sinatra in this. Yeah, absolutely. The Dean Martin is is the the lounge singer in various in the casino, and then you have got um, Sam Lewis Jr. at the beginning, but there's no personage at all. And that's I think sometimes where it relies on these moments to put it together, and these little scenes are fun. Um, but anyway, before we go too much on it, do you have recommendations for something else, something else that you might prefer people to watch? I do, yes, um, and well, the first of these we have already covered. Um, but it was a while ago now. Um, an uncredited writer on Ocean's Eleven was Billy Wilder, and the Billy Wilder film that I want to direct you all to is the one that we covered right at the same many, many years ago now, um, is The Apartment, mm. which it was astonishing to me, and it wasn't something I expected at all, but it was utterly brilliant. Um and it would, you know, I can't get past 1960 without mentioning one of my favourite 1950s films. Um, William H. Daniels was DP on this, and he was also DP on Harvey. So Harvey from 1950 is my second recommendation. An excellent, excellent chat. So I've got two recommendations 
this week. So I haven't mentioned it because I came close a few times mentioning it um, in, our, in our discussion of this movie, but I thought I'd save it for now. And that is another probably better um, rapper film from 1964, which is Robin and the Seven Hoods. Now, this is a musical, a genuine musical. Um, and this is the one in which I think Sam alluded to they replaced um, one of the pack with Bing Crosby, um, who pops up in this. It is a retelling of Robin Hood in Chicago gangland, but it features musical numbers. It features a lot of fun. Um, having seen Ocean's Eleven, I was inspired to watch this the next day, and it's it's just a good lot of fun. It is them playing up to their slightly mob-ish connections, um, but it's got some really, really great songs in it. Um, and I'm, I was a fan. I was a big fan of this one. My second recommendation is um, Angie Dickinson pops up as a smallish role in Ocean's Eleven as uh, Danny Ocean's wife, but a memorable role. Um, she has a steel to her character that I really, really like. Um, she also pops up in another film from the same little era that I'm a big fan of, um, and that's the film from the previous year, 1959, Rio Bravo, considered one of the best westerns of all time i don't think they're wrong in that assumption uh, she plays feathers in that and if you haven't seen rio bravo and you have an interest in westerns at all then absolutely get on that it's it's a titan of the genre for a very good reason she's also in the remake oceans 11 she does she pops up in like the boxing yeah. scene i think which i, I think that was nice nice yeah yeah it was so that's it for us talking about oceans 11 i think mixed reviews there but from my personal voice, I'd vote watching it uh, no matter what. We're carrying on next episode with our heist series and we're looking at the 1967 counterculture new Hollywood movie, Bonnie and Clyde. Till then, you can find us both online at Pretty Podcast. You can find just me at life underscore academic. And you can find just me at Kydra FM. And we'll see you here next week. <laughs>